0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Reds Hot Stove League. The
1: Reds are on the radio.
0: The Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by The Holy Grail Banks Tavern and Grill, Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, JTM Food Group, MSA Architects, Thompson McConnell Cadillac, and by Document Destruction, the Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by. And this one belongs to the Reds. Red's Hot Stove League on the Red's Radio Network.
2: And a pleasant good evening, everyone, and we welcome you from the desert. Our show's at least up until the uh, Hot Stove League program prior to opening day. That show will be at the Holy Grail Banks on March 28th, opening day, obviously, the 29th against the Nationals. We are here in the desert for the next four or so weeks uh, to do our Hot Stove League program, along with my good friend and new partner, yes, everyday Jim Day. (laughs)
0: Not every day, not quite every day, but close. Yeah. (laughs) You happy to be here? I'm happy to be here. you kidding me? I mean, uh, life is good, man. The sun is shining here in the desert. We're at Goodyear Ballpark Friday. They kicked off with the uh, first spring training game, and I'm on the hot stove league with you. Life is good.
2: Yeah, chill factor is about eight degrees here. Um, It's a little bit unseasonably cool out here in the desert for you folks who – uh, have plans and have uh, your plane reservations and hotel reservations and everything else that goes into making a trip uh, within the next week, although they're gonna, there's going to be better days. In fact, I understand uh, when the Reds open less than 48 hours from now, and we'll have that game on the Reds Radio Network Friday afternoon from this very ballpark in Goodyear against the Indians the temperature that day, the expected high is somewhere in the neighborhood of the mid-50s. 54. And then Saturday, about 22 degrees warmer. Is it, 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 Am I right there? It's well, 70 I'm, I'm looking
0: degrees. at a weather app right now, and it says 58 on Saturday. Oh, it does? Okay. 62 Sunday, 68 on Monday. But the good news is it's supposed to be sunny. So when you're in the sun, it's it's a noticeable difference here. The
2: uh, 37 degrees, which it was each of the last two mornings, mm-hmm. is vastly different from 37 degrees in Cincinnati. Right. You can walk out of your house or your apartment or condo out here, and if you're in the sunshine, 37 degrees is a piece of cake. We all know that's not the case back in Cincinnati. We are sitting in the Reds radio booth uh, where we'll be working on uh, on Friday afternoon, and the field is in immaculate condition. Uh, the folks here do a sensational job. The city fathers of a good year of getting these facilities ready. Uh, it's been an interesting spring, albeit it will turn out to be, from a preparedness standpoint, a very brief spring. Jim, you and I have never seen anything like this.
0: Yeah, the position players only have four days uh, to get ready for the first game, and that's per the new collective bargaining ag- agreement. The same amount of games, but uh, less prep time leading up to those games. So there's going to be some pitchers that you're going to see in spring training games that will have not thrown live BP at the complex before hitting the mound in a spring training game. Um, so it's a hurry up and get ready quick. But in today's day and age of baseball players, they show up a lot more prepared. They've sure. done a lot more work in the off season. But uh, this year they've really had to show up, uh, shown up uh, ready to go.
2: Brian Price has been treating his uh, spring training opening pitcher like it was a state secret. Uh, but our, our sources tell us that it very well could be Sal Romano coming yeah. Friday afternoon. Against the Cleveland Indians, uh, we we would operate on the assumption that he will start, although uh, it's not been that clarified. We understand that he is definitely going to pitch, and I would have to assume being – Uh, as strong a contender for the opening day rotation as there is, you'd certainly think he'd start that game.
0: I would think that they would prepare him to start the game. Uh, We've seen a lot of guys. There's a lot of starters in camp. Um, Some of those guys are going to have to come in second in the game, uh, in the middle of the game. But I would think Sal, who along with Robert Stevenson and Tyler Malley, are really the prime candidates for those open spots, that they would have those guys prepare to start the game. 513-749-1360
2: is our number if you have a need to dial us up and and talk about spring training, talk about the Reds or whatever it might be relating to this great game of baseball. 513-749-1360 will be open for your phone calls until the bottom of the hour. And then to give you an idea of what's coming up after that, following the bottom of the hour commercial break, we'll be back. Uh, Jim earlier had a sit-down with Tucker Barnhart. A nice interview with the Reds uh, Gold Glove catcher, and uh, you'll be privy to that interview right after the 6.30 break uh, here on the Reds Hot Stove League. Um, the camp has been very well run. Uh, there is no standing around time from the right. time they break out of their player meeting uh, over on the complex at roughly 9.30. Uh, Brian meets with the media around 8.30 and then has a team meeting 9 or shortly after, and then 9.30 they disperse to various uh areas of the uh, 8 or 9 field complex that they have over there around the Reds' offices. And, uh, again, it's it's in a hurry-up mode right now without any question.
0: I think the good news is there's been no news. Yeah. Uh, and that that would mean that there's been no injuries thus far. And the Reds have been beset by injuries in spring training in the last couple of years, namely Homer Homer Bailey and Anthony DiSclefani. The biggest thing we've heard is uh, Robert Stevenson had a little bit of a stiff neck, a very minor thing. He's already thrown off the mound um so no news is good news uh they signed cliff pennington as a uh perhaps a backup shortstop a uh, guy that's played shortstop for many years in the league uh, cody reed is competing for a bullpen spot and not competing for the starting rotation and Brian
2: has been very eloquent in what he's yeah. watched from him albeit yeah. just throwing in the bullpen right
0: and they can use another left-hander in the bullpen cody is is good with that and uh Talking with him, and he's, it's like a totally different person, a totally different mindset for him. Um, so outside of Pennington and Reed, um, there really hasn't been much news, and that's actually a good thing.
2: It's going to be an interesting camp for a lot of reasons. I think if you're a Reds fan, you're aware that uh, the, the success and or failure of this club in 2018 will be largely predicated on how effective the pitching or how much improved the pitching is, not only in the rotation but also in the bullpen. But aside from that, and that's a, that's the elephant in the room, without any question. To watch some of these young players, most notably Nick Senzel, who I, I think if we had him sitting here today, he has every confidence in the world. When the Wiz Club breaks camp, he's going to be with them for opening day.
0: He's actually upset when you talk about the business side, right? Um, about sending him to the minor leagues to get the extra year of service time because he he thinks, in fact, he says, "I know I'm I'm good enough to make this club," and they are they have talked to him in the off season about he's coming. He's primarily a third baseman, but to get him time at shortstop, second base and corner outfield spots. But now to start spring, they've just designated third base and shortstop. And he has been working at shortstop every day. And I talked to the young man. He looked me dead in the eye. He, he wants to be a shortstop. He wants to prove everyone that he can play shortstop at the major league level. He's been working daily with Barry Larkin, who is a very good instructor in spring training, obviously hall of fame caliber. Um, He's a, Better athlete, i got to tell you, I haven't, I haven't seen him play live until um, just seeing I haven't seen him in his spring training game, obviously, but we're just talking about at the complex. More athletic than I thought. Um, there's mixed reviews whether he can pull it off at the major league level. He's one of those guys that uh, can flat-out hit. We know that. And when he can hit, they say he can find a position, and that's not normally shortstop at the major league level. But in this case, he wants to be a shortstop, and that might be half the battle.
2: Well, it's nice that he doesn't come into this camp with a grudge on uh, his shoulder because of the fact that they have committed themselves to Eugenio Suarez at third base. Mm -hmm. And I hope that they maintain that position I for all the work that kids put in to becoming in our estimation certainly one of the top three or four third basemen in the National League to all of a sudden uproot him and put him somewhere else to give Senzel third I don't I don't agree with that at all
0: well you don't want to take a strength and and take away a strength just to plug in another hole That has become a position of strength he's not only a solid hitter but in a quick amount of time, became one of the best defenders in the league Without at third any base. Question. Without any uh, questions, and still a young guy. So why do you want to take away from a strength to fill another hole, where perhaps you could fill another hole in another way? If Nick Senzel is athletic enough to pull it off, now it remains to be seen. We're talking about shortstop at the major league level. It is definitely a big if.
2: Well, there's no question about that, and 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 let's be honest about this thing now. It, there are those who would tell you that they have grave misgivings about Jose Peraza being defensively an everyday shortstop. Yeah. And he's going to try and prove people wrong just like Suarez did. Suarez proved me wrong. I didn't think he was good enough three years ago to be an everyday third baseman. He's gone from being that to being one of the better ones. And and let's hope the same outcome is in store for Jose Peraza, but at the same time, this guy's got something to prove, and it pe- appears that the Reds may have somebody, if Senzel is serious enough about playing that position, that they could plug in if he didn't work out.
0: Well, particularly if Sinzel does start the season at AAA. Right. I mean, outside of injuries, he's going to start at AAA. Sure, that's right. Um, so if he goes down there at AAA and is the shortstop and proves that he can do it, then, man, he's going to be knocking on the door because he, we know he can hit
2: well, I'm Marty Brenneman. He's Jim Day, and we're at the Reds' uh, Goodyear Ballpark. Uh, it's very quiet now. They'll be hooping and hollering come Friday when the Reds take on uh, Terry Francona's Cleveland Indians. But tonight, we're open for your phone calls and your questions. 513-749-1360. You're listening to the Reds' Hot Stove League, and we'll be back in a moment.
0: With the Reds Big Six plan, you to be six Reds' up to 25%. Whether you want fireworks Fridays, collect this season's bobbleheads, or see the Reds take on the Cardinals or Cubs, the choice is yours. Plus, you get six McDonald's extra value meal vouchers. Purchase your Pick 6 plan today at Reds.com slash Pick 6. Some restrictions apply. It's the Reds Hot Stove League. were brought to you by Budweiser. Alongside the Hall of Famer Marty Brenneman, I'm Jim Day. We are emanating for the first time from Goodyear, Arizona. We are sitting in the radio press box at... Goodyear ballpark and acting like fools, like children
2: Yes, we are, are. in the
0: break. Uh, so all is good. We're ready to cover a uh, child's game, as they say. And we've got a, a couple of callers standing by. And first, it's Tom and Dayton. Tom, what you got? Tommy. Yes.
1: How you doing? Hi, how are you? Good. Oh, I'm all, on I'm the air with you guys? Yep, you're on the oh. air. Okay, thanks. Hey, uh, well, first, it's a great honor, uh, Marty, to talk to you after all these years and listen to you since I was a kid. It's truly an honor. Uh, first time I've ever talked to you, and I just, you're the first person I think of when I think of Reds baseball. I was raised by my grandparents on Reds, and it's an honor. Thank you, Sam. So, I as appreciate a, it. As, as a lifelong Reds fan, and 42 years old, and they live and die by the Reds. I have a major concern going into this season. We were, you know, we know, we're in a rebuild, and we were. No definite date was ever set, but we kind of all, as fans, I think, back in 2015 when we knew it was being torn apart, we kind of thought 2018 or 2019, we'd finally see some fruits of the labor of all these trades and all these moves were armed. And while the offense is definitely still there, I'm afraid I see something coming in the future, and it worries me about a small market team like the Reds, and that is a guy like Suarez at third and other offensive weapons that we have Maybe it will be free agents by the time we get this pitching thing together. And then you lose bats, and then you can pitch, but you can't hit. So, my, I mean, do you think that's a fair concern as a fan? And then second of all, wh- what do you think, like, you know, UDAR has only got $26 million more than Homer Bailey in this market. Why is it the Reds won't fork out money just to go get some kind of starting pitcher to ensure us fans that we're trying to win while we still have the offense.
2: Well, and I, I'll take I'll take the last part of your question first. Uh, there's no way on God's earth the Reds are going to go out and give you Darvish or Jake Arrieta or any of those guys the kind of money that, uh, that Darvish has already gotten and, and Arrieta will come very, very close to whoever he signs with. That's not going to happen. I felt from the end of last year – that the priority for this club, for me, was to go out and sign a veteran pitcher. Now, I'm not talking about a top-tier pitcher like the ones I just mentioned, but somebody uh, in the second group uh, that would not be as expensive to go along with the young pitchers. Obviously, the powers that be didn't think the same way I do. In my opinion, doesn't amount to nothing. They went out and got two veteran relief pitchers, which I think is great. I think David Hernandez and Jared Hughes will really help this bullpen. As far as the other part of it is concerned, this is the same problem – that all mid- to small-market teams are going to be confronted with and have been confronted with for years. The model is the Minnesota Twins model, and that is to develop enough talent in your system that when the time comes that you lose a player because you can't afford to pay what it's going to take to keep him in a uniform, you've got somebody ready that is a younger uh, product that eventually may one day be the equal of the player that you allowed to get away. Minnesota has been very, very successful in doing it in in that manner. And and if you're going to be competitive over a number of years, uh, that's the way you're going to have to do it. Uh, you can't go out and, uh, and, and sign a, a multi-multi-million-dollar, seven- or eight-year contract player because you don't have the kind of money that a, a Cub or the Cubs or the Yankees or the Dodgers or whoever else you want to throw into that mix is. So it's a fact of life, and and, and that's the way it is, and there's not a whole lot you can do about
1: it. Okay. And and I and I understand. I, I grasp that, Marty. I really do. The only thing I look at is it was just five years ago we were paying Queto double-digit million, and we had Phillips and Bruce, and we had Votto making the same how he's making now, and we had money to throw at Homer Bailey. So I know we can't compete with them, but – we can certainly get the payroll up again, and do you think – I mean, I know no one has the answer, but are we probably going to find money to keep a Suarez or at least one of these offensive bats when the time comes, or is this going to be a constant now? We tried it once. We had a $90 million payroll. Since it didn't work, we're never going to do that again. And I'll get off here. Thanks again for taking my call.
2: I got news for you, pal. They got a $90 million yeah. payroll right now. They might go over a hundred. Just so you understand, they done. still have a pay- payroll that big. All right, uh, we got a quick caller coming in. Dayton, uh, Gary, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Uh, Marty, it's always an honor, Hall of Famer. Uh, I think you may already answer my question, Marty. Uh, I I, I don't expect the Reds to go out and find a a Jake Arrieta or a Hugh Darvish, but how about some of that great talent that that just hung around the free agent market all winter? Guys like Lance Lynn or maybe an Alex Cobb, or even a guy like a, a veteran like a Tim Stammen that you can put in your bullpen and expect to get some innings. No, I don't I don't, dis- I don't disagree with that. I, I don't disagree with that. I, uh, you're going to have a veteran in Homer Bailey, and you're going to have four youngsters and, and to make up the rest of that bullpen, that rotation. Uh, and I'll be dead honest with you, and I've said it before. This club now has had three terrible years back to back to back. It, it they cannot afford to have a year similar in 18 to what they had last year, or the year before, or the year before. In order for them to give their fans the feeling that they're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, this club's got to be awfully close to 500 baseball by the time this season comes to an end. Well, and I if agree they with do you. That, I, think
1: they... I think a lot of friends are
2: frustrated because the Reds sat on their hands when when all this free agent talent was out there this winter, Marty. And I, I, I sense the frustration of the guy that called I had a no, I, I don't disagree with that, and I you know I understand the feeling that fans have. Uh, again, they the club said it, we were in a rebuilding phase and and now you've got to show the fruits of your labor. It, it, it's very simple. If this club uh, has starting pitchers that are eventually going to prove that the club decision to draft them or trade for them was the right moves, then this club could be a very, very fun year to watch as far as this club is concerned. If these guys can't answer the bell, it, I hate to think what kind of year it's going to turn out to be. Uh, Marty, a guy to watch in spring training, Jose theory. Thank you, Marty. Yes, sir. Thank you. We're well aware of that. that young man had the mm-hmm. long hitting streak in the Midwest League last yep. year. I would think he'd see some big league time, wouldn't you?
0: I would think he would. He would be one of those guys that's uh, he's going to you know come in in the middle, a lot of middle part of the games. But they uh, talking to uh, guys that work with him in the minor leagues, Barry Lark and Eric Davis. Uh, they said this kid's special. He's got a chance yeah. to be special. Um, you know, on the flip side of what we were just talking about, um, the Red, in order to find out about these young pitchers, you have to have the opportunity for them to show it. And I think the Reds are asking you to trust the process, the fact of giving these young starters a chance. If you add another veteran to the mix, is it taking away starts from a young guy? And they want to be able to find out who your nucleus is, and they've said, we're ready to spend money next year.
2: Well, let's hope that turns out to be the case. We're at the bottom of the hour. We promised you Tucker Barnhart coming out of this next commercial break, and you will be privy to that interview as you continue to listen to the Reds Hot Stove League from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. It's the Reds Hot Stove League
0: of Goodyear, Arizona, and we're presented by Budweiser. I'm Jim Day. My pleasure
3: to welcome in the reigning gold glove catcher in the National League. And that you know that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I like the I like the sound of that. Hopefully, it's multi time. They're two time or, or multi time winner here in the next few years. So we'll see. I, but it does sound very good.
0: Well, we appreciate Tucker Barnhart being on the Reds Hot Stove League, and uh, newsworthy to have you right now because the Commissioner of Baseball uh, is going to implement some new rules. There will not be a pitch clock, but they will limit the amount of times you can go to the mound. There are some 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 exceptions but six times for nine innings your initial thoughts on uh, what the commissioner is implementing
3: you know my my initial thoughts were that i didn't think it was necessary which I, I still don't think it is is necessary to have that rule i think six times you're never probably going to see somebody go to the mound six times that is a, without making a pitching change that's a, it's an extremely high amount of times but it's it's more than that for me is the Now we're getting to the pace of play rules that are being put into play that could possibly affect what happens on the the field. And so for me, I don't know that that's the route that makes the most sense for baseball. What the right route is, I'm not sure. But when you have something like... When catchers go to the mound or pitching coaches go to the mound, I mean... there, there's reasoning behind it. We're not just going to the mound to talk about where we're going to dinner. You know, I mean, it's it's to go over to scouting report. Usually when you go out there, something has happened, for example, a cross-up or you're unfamiliar with a hitter that maybe has just gotten called up and, and the pitching coach runs out there and goes over the hitter based on the scouting report is concerned because we have so many things going through our minds and going through our heads that a lot of times – those are necessary. And so now you're asking catchers and you're asking pitching coaches and managers to have to assess situations and say, well, is it important enough to go to the mound? Because later on in the game, we may be running out of visits and we may have to make a change. And so I just, things like that. I don't necessarily think that when you're, when you have the opportunity or have the possibility of, of possibly affecting the integrity of the game, or what's going on on the field, I, I don't like it. I mean, stepping out, having not letting guys step out of the box, not letting pitchers come off the mound to catch the ball back from the pitcher—that's not affecting the game. It's affecting, the, in my opinion, the, the, the chance of it affecting the game is when you're going out there and you're trying to get the, get the signs right. You're trying to slow a guy down from giving up multiple uh, extra base hits in a row, or or just having a guy calm down and take a deep breath. Because, I mean, th- there's numerous times that I've gone out there, especially with catching a young staff, guys that are making their debuts, you go out there multiple times to calm them down say, hey, man, come on, like, just, just relax. And so in, in, in a long-winded answer, I, I, I don't think it's necessary to do. I don't think it's necessary, one, because I don't think you're going to see six Visits from a catcher or a pitching coach or an infielder that don't result in a pitching change, but then I also think that it's not necessary because I think that you're starting to get to the point where you are or run the possibility or have the possibility of affecting the the product that's on the field. In my mind, and this is just my opinion, um, I don't
0: think fans care necessarily if the game is three hours, 310, 315. It's the time between pitches. And sometimes that lags, uh, particularly when you go to the bullpen, it's, it seems to slow down. Um, a lot of hitters take some extra times. Um, I guess, do you understand where fans are coming from or where the league is coming from? And would you like to see, as a player, I know it's a timeless game, you don't want to mess with the integrity of the game, but just time between pitches.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, everybody that, that I know that I play with, that no one's out there trying to play a slow game. Everybody wants a, a quick, well-timed, well-paced, well-tempoed game, but I just I I think the the things that that could be limited. I mean, the, we bring back bullpen carts to get guys in from the bullpen yeah. quicker. I mean, just things of that nature. Don't let the pitcher step off the mound to receive a throwback from the from the catcher. Things things of that nature that don't necessarily truly affect the outcome of the game. I, I think. But I, I mean, I do understand it. I do get where the league's coming from. I do get where fans are coming from. You want to be, you want to see more action. You want to, yeah. you want to, you want things to to happen quicker, it will happen faster. I get that. But in the grand scheme of things, like it's it is a timeless game, and and the game wasn't meant to play fast. It was meant to play well tempoed, well paced, right. but just not fast. And it's never going to be as fast paced as the NBA. Never is going to be as fast paced as the NFL. Things of that nature. It's just. Just the way the game is. Where do you stand on a pitch clock in the future? I I, I don't know. I, to be honest with you, I haven't really thought about it very much. Um, I think it is. An, I think it's another thing that, like the the mound visits, that that there's going to be a few exceptions as far as certain guys that it will affect. But for the most part, I don't think it's going to affect people. So I think that if you did have it. A lot like the the warming up in between innings, how they put that clock into play a few years ago, guys don't necessarily, it it doesn't really affect them And a lot more times than not. Guys are ready before the clocks are over with. So there's things like that 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 you can put in, and I think they're they're not going to necessarily affect the game too much, but those times where, like for the example the mound visits, if... I don't know. I haven't read the rule, but I don't know what the repercussions are. If you, for some reason, make a seventh mound visit, like, what happens? And so I'm anxious to read that. But it's just that one time that if you're in a game, like a must-win game, late in the year, you've been out to the mound a couple times, the pitching coach has made a couple visits, say the umpire's gotten a foul tip off of him and you're going to try to give him a minute, and you're butting up against five times. Right that 6th time is is looming and so you have to kind of manage the situation so i um the pitch clock i haven't really thought about i don't if it were put in i don't necessarily think it would be that big of a deal um but it's just something that we're going to have to get used to eventually because it sounds like it's it's not if but when all right, let's talk some Cincinnati Reds baseball. Um, it's only a couple days into
0: the camp as far as position players being here. Um, you're just getting started to throw a live B P, but the pitchers have been here over a week now. Um, I know it's hard because you haven't faced hitters in a, in a spring training game, but is there anyone that you've caught that stood out this year?
3: You know, for me, like, I, I come into spring training and, I think for me personally, I try to find where I feel normal. I think that's where everybody's after. Everybody's after trying to feel normal because that's where you know you need to be and you know you're ready to go play. And so I've watching Homer and watching Disco and watching Finney all pitch, they all look normal. And catching all of them, they all look normal. And that's such a fantastic sign. Ball's coming out of their hand really well. Um, so obviously coming into camp, I was anxious to see those guys and see – what they look like and see how the how it felt catching them and they all look great. Um, I was I caught Dylan Floro today, who's a, a minor league free agent sign that we had. Um, he was been around a few spots. I think Tampa Bay, I think uh, Chicago a little bit last year. I caught him in live BP today, and he was extremely impressive. A really good changeup, really good sinker. A guy that nobody that nobody's really talking about. Um, but if I mean if. He goes out and he and he pitches well. I mean, he's got a chance to help us out this year at some point. I would I would assume. Um, but all of our young guys are Sal Romanos, the Luis Castillo's of the world, Tyler Mali, Amir Garrett, um, all look great. I've had a whether it's been in a bullpen or in live BP, I've caught the majority of guys, and everybody looks normal and ready to go. So it's uh, it's uplifting and it's 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 uh, very it's very good to see. Well, some
0: people might not understand that, but normal especially when you're talking about Homer and Di Scalfani and Finnegan with injury histories, if they look normal, that's obviously a good sign, as opposed to last year you went into the season, didn't have those guys. Uh, I mean, that could make all the difference in the world for this club.
3: No question. I mean, that's three guys that we were counting on last year to really, truly help us out, and we didn't have them. And so, in turn, you got the... Luis Castillo's, the Amir Garretts, the um, the Tyler Mollies, those guys gained experience. And whether they start out with the club or not, um, we're going to need them this season. Um, but having Homer and Finney and Disco back, um, obviously three extremely competitive and have guys that have had a lot of success in the major leagues. Homer with two no-hitters, Disco was our... Most reliable starter in 15, and, and Finney in uh, 16 through almost 200 innings. So, guys that we need, we need in the in the rotation, and seeing them healthy is such a positive sign for for the catching core guys, and uh, it just we're, we're all ready to go, excited to uh, get in the games and uh, get back to Cincinnati. Luis Castillo. Um
0: perhaps a budding superstar in the making uh, you get to catch him you get to see him on a daily basis you see the moxie that everyone talks about on the mound uh, are we talking about a, a top of the end rotation guy in the future in your, your estimation
3: I mean I think so I think he, he, the thing that, that that blew me away about Luis catching him is last year was his ability to learn and his, his willingness to learn he we would talk about certain pitches. He would throw them on the side, and then he was fearless to go try and use them in the game. And they would turn out, and they would be—he would have success with them. And he was just kind of snowballed into something extremely, extremely impressive. Uh, a guy that, that is, has started throwing a two-seamer last year, which is running away away from lefties into righties. Um, his changeup is, is the equalizer. It's an extremely good pitch. He's very aggressive with it. Throws it on both sides of the plate. And his breaking ball has continued to uh, to develop. And so I, I would say, without a doubt, he has the uh, the ability and the chance and the opportunity to be a top end of the rotation guy, the guy that throws 100 with as good a changeup as he has it's uh it's it's fun to catch you feel like you're playing a video game back there because you you can just hit a button and it seems to come in the spot that you want it so it's uh it's it's definitely makes our job a lot of fun
0: that's very good you can relate to the kids out there just It's like a video game. It's like hitting one of those extra buttons and getting that special pitch. So we always appreciate the insight, and uh, thanks for joining us in the Reds Hot Stove League. You got it. Thanks, guys. That is Tucker Barnhart. We've got more to come from Goodyear, Arizona. It's the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by Budweiser.
2: The Reds Hall of Fame and Museum is offering $5 admission in February for all fans, including students and seniors, plus... The hall is offering five bucks off the regular price of all major league clubhouse tours during the month of February. Time running out, so dial them up. For additional details, visit regmuseum.org. With Jim Day, I'm Marty Brenneman. We are heading toward the final less than ten minutes of this first Reds Hot Stove League program from the desert. Red Spring Training Force is underway. Opening game on the Reds Radio Network will be aired Friday afternoon when the Reds take on the Cleveland Indians. And there will be Reds baseball for your edification every day after that, leading up to the opening game of the season on March 29th at home against the uh, Washington Nationals. Uh, Tucker, Jim, rather outspoken about his feelings. What I'd like to know is from a a consensus of players, tell me what speed-up process are you happy with? They are not happy with nothing.
0: Right. No, I, I, that's why I asked him the question, do you understand what pe- where people are getting at it? And, again, I'll say it again. I, I think it's the time between pitches. I, I really do. Uh, you can uh, eliminate uh, trips to the mound. You can bring in bullpen carts. Uh, you can try to make replay quicker. Um, but to me, it amounts mm-hmm. to guys are going deeper in the counts. There's more strikeouts nowadays and the time between pitches is what is lagging. People just want more action and more pitches.
2: Well, I don't disagree with that at all. And, and uh, For my money, and I said it a week or so ago, quite honestly, I think the commissioner caved into the player union uh, when he talked and talked and talked about a pitch clock, which I think w- is inevitable. I think uh, among the other things that will be implemented, I think we'll definitely have a pitch clock down the road. Not this year, but I think it's in the future. But I think he completely caved in with all the talk about implementing rules without union approval, which he was perfectly within his rights to do, and all he does is what he's done. Uh, I think he was concerned about all the allegations of players not being signed and there was some type of collective understanding among owners, which I think is a bunch of crap. Uh, That happened in the 80s. I don't think you'll ever see it happen again. But uh, it is what it is, and it'll be interesting to see if uh, the – the time of game on average uh, is, is, rat, uh, is radically reduced or at least reduced to the number that would satisfy a lot of the powers that be come the end of the 2018 season. We'll be back with more of the Red Hot Stove League from the desert in a moment. The sun is setting here in Goodyear, Arizona. The temperature will plummet into the mid to high 30s before the sun comes up tomorrow. It'll be another chilly day. It'll be a mid-50s game day for the first pitch Uh, The Red Spring training schedule against the Indians here on Friday. It doesn't make any difference, though, Jimmy, because baseball is almost here, isn't it?
0: Well, as I've said before, it's a rite of passage in Cincinnati to hear you say, if you're ready now, the starting lineups in the first spring training game, it makes everyone think that spring is around the corner, albeit uh, spring-like weather here as opposed to Cincinnati. Um, and it's just uh, looking forward to it. It is something in Cincinnati that is uh, almost like a holiday. Like yeah, it opening is. Opening day, the first day of spring training.
2: That's that's one of the major beauties of this game of baseball. It's uh, uh when you talk about open, when you use the term opening day, I think if you ask any fan. If you hear the two words, opening day, what sport do you think about?
0: Yeah, think of baseball.
2: Absolutely. And you, you think of Cincinnati. No question. You don't think opening day in the NFL. You don't think of opening day in the NHL yeah. or or the NBA. You think about opening day in baseball. And, of course, as we've said so many times, there is none more special than the one that we're going to, once again, play witness to come the 29th of March when – Uh, The Nationals come to town, and we're off and running on another year. But a lot of decisions to be determined between now and then. It's going to
0: be exciting because uh, there's going to be a lot of competition, particularly for those starting uh, roles. And if uh, everyone stays healthy, there's only going to be one or two spots available in the starting rotation. There's some spots up for grab in the bullpen as well as uh, on the bench. So let's just keep our fingers crossed for a healthy spring.
2: No question. We'll do our best to document what's going on beginning on Friday. Friday. Uh, Jeff Brantley and I will be the tandem for the first five, and then we'll debut day, and you'll be hearing a lot of Jim Day on the Reds Radio Network once he gets on the air and kicks off his season. Of Reds play by play. Jimmy, we're out of time. Uh, We uh, appreciate you folks listening. And for those contributors, uh, thanks for calling. We look forward to having you with us on the Reds Radio Network for Game One coming on Friday afternoon. For Jim Day, this is Marty Brenham, along with our mentor and our spiritual leader, Dave Yeti Armbruster. So long, everybody.